Mark chapter 6. Turn there if you would. So we finished, uh, really didn't bring a, a, a total finalization to our, our subject of prayer, but if you go to our uh, devotional, I'll try to have the, the last portion of that up online by tomorrow morning. But today I just want to share with you what I believe the Holy Spirit has placed on my heart to get us ready for the harvest he is going to bring in. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. It says this, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. Now listen to me, that, that first verse is so crucial for us as believers because Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, all right? The church is not built on man. It's not built on man's principles or man's ideas. It is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He is, he is the chief cornerstone. He is the one that we're building on. And now listen to me, there is a principle here for us as leaders, as Christians, as Christ followers. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. As Christ followers, we need to make sure that we're checking in with Jesus. Are you with me this morning? I don't care if you're a leader in this church or you're a minister, partner in ministry or you're just saying, I'm, I'm neither of those, but I love Jesus. You need to be checking in with him often and you need to be conversing with him about those things that you have done and those things that you have taught. Verse 31, and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest there a while. For, for many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Get ready, church. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns. Come on, somebody. The town, all, all of North Park, South Park, Normal Heights, La Mesa, come on, El Cajon, wherever you live. Come on, they ran from all the towns and went ahead of them. I believe this with all my heart that God has gone ahead of us and he's prepared a great harvest for urban church. They're waiting, watch, and see next week. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They began to teach them many things. And when it, it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? I could just imagine right now the disciples' sarcasm in that statement. <laughs> you want us to go? <laughs> right. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had mugged a child for his lunch, come on somebody, read the other accounts of this story they found they had five loaves of bread and two fish then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in the groups at bernie elementary and taking the five loaves the two fish he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of fish and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men wow now turn with me to first peter three first peter three 15 says this, but 
In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope. Everybody say hope. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say hope. That is in you. Wow. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments we have together here as a, as a community, that, Lord, you would challenge us, that, God, you would equip us, that, Lord, you would further us in the purpose and the destiny that you have for each and every one of us. God, I pray, Lord, for Urban Church right now. Lord, I pray for those that are visiting today. Maybe they're looking for a new church. God, those that have been coming for the last several weeks and those that call this home already, that, Lord, you begin to prepare us for the harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Last week, along with many of you, I was commemorating 9-11. Uh, when I went home, you know, I, I thought about it. I was talking with my wife about it. We remembered where we were when that whole event took place. We had just purchased our first home, and, and we were actually still unpacking our boxes. The television wasn't even hooked up yet. And it happens to be my, my father-in-law's birthday, and so my wife called her dad and said, Hey, Dad, happy birthday. And, and he heard, she heard his voice on the phone just say, It's, it's really not that happy. She was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you don't know. And we're like, no what? And so he began to tell us everything. And we had no way of turning on a television, so we quickly found a radio. Who even owns a radio in the house nowadays, right? So we quickly tried to find a radio and find something. And then that night, we, we went out to a restaurant just so we could remember. We went to TGI Fridays and sat there and just watched the screen. And, and, and so we're remembering all of this, commemorating 9-11. And I watched several shows that night. And one of the clips I came across was a clip by a lady named Janelle Guzman McMillan. And she is now an author, and she wrote this book, Angel in the Rubble at Ground Zero. Angel in the Rubble at Ground Zero. And this little clip, about six and a half minutes long, she begins to recount the events that took place in her life. And she tells a story that she works on the 62nd floor of the first tower that was hit. And uh, they waited and waited and waited and waited. And then when they heard another boom, they thought, we need to evacuate. They still didn't know what was going on. And so she began to make her way down, and the, the further down she went, the more frantic she got, and she was, took her shoes off, and she was running down. And she says this, when I got to the 13th floor, all I remember is hearing this loud noise, and then it got dark. And I realized that all the floors above me had now crumbled up on me. She's on the 13th floor. All these stories above her crumbled down. And she was trapped there for, for I believe it was, a little over 48 hours. She was trapped there. And, and so she's recounting these events, and, and she wasn't a Christian, but in that moment, she became a Christian. <laughs> it's amazing what kind of things will, will cause people to cry out to Jesus, right? Some of you, it's your bank account, and you cry out to Jesus, you get saved at that moment. Come on. Some of you, it's your marriage, and you cry out to Jesus, you get saved at that moment. This lady, she is trapped underneath so much rubble. And she's telling the story, and she says, all I remember is, is crying out to God and say, God, I know I haven't believed in you, uh, but if you're real, could you just send me a sign? I need some hope. I need some hope. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that hope does not disappoint because the love of God is being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit of promise. And she said, I needed some hope. And I remember finding a little crack, and I, I reached my hand up through the rubble. And as I reached my hand up through the rubble, I, I, I remember somebody grabbing onto my hand, and it gave me that hope to hold on. It gave me enough hope just, just to hold on for, for, for a little longer. And now the voice 
from that hand began to talk to me, and his name was Paul. She goes on to tell the story later that she never met a Paul. She doesn't know if it was a real person or an angel. All she knows is that when she reached that her hand through the, through, the, through the crevice of that rubble, that a hand grabbed on, and it gave her hope. Can I tell you something, church? There are people in ground zero of their lives every single day, and they are reaching through the rubble of a divorce. They are reaching through the rubble of a broken home. They are reaching through the rubble of financial difficulty. They are, they are reaching through the rubble of destruction dreams and listen to me we are not the one that gives the hope but we are the one that can reach through and hold on to their hand and get them to hold on long enough to where Jesus Christ come on the king of kings and the lord of lords can come and give them the hope that they need I believe this with all my heart as I was sitting there at that moment I was watching that video and listening to to this lady's stories I believe the holy spirit spoke to me and said Ben it is time for the church to grab on to some hands that are reaching through the rubble of their lives It is time that we as the church, listen to me, church. We do everything we can to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified because He is the one that ultimately brings the hope to people. But it is our job as the church to be like that Paul and reach out and see some hands sticking out and say, I got you and I'm not going to leave you until Jesus gets to you. Are you with me today? She said it gave her enough hope to hold on until the rescuers come. I believe the job of the church, I believe the job of Urban Church, listen to me, as we go into this campaign next weekend, I need you. And I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to say this, Jesus needs you. And we're going to see it today in this passage. I need you, Jesus needs you, the church needs you. It is time that we grab on to the hands of people and begin to give them hope in our city. Many of them are going to be lying in rubble of sexual immorality. Some are going to be, be, be lying in the, in, in the rubble of adultery. Some of them are going to be lying in the, 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 the rubble of pornography. Some of them, it's going to go much deeper than that, into incest. But people are going to come, I believe, with all my heart. They're going to walk through these doors, and they're going to get healed. Listen to me. There are others, they're not even going to have any sexual issues going on in their life. But they're going to come, and they're going to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they're going to get saved. And I need you as a church. I need your prayers. The church needs your prayers. And I believe that, that Jesus is saying, I, I need you as well. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. He said, Ben, how do I reach and hold on to somebody's hand? Your story. Your testimony. Your story is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. You say, well, Ben, I've, I've been a Christian all my life. What, what do you mean? I mean, I got, saved at the age, I got saved at the age of six. I remember where I was sitting. I was sitting at the, at the dining room table on the, our house on Coles Road. My dad had just come home for lunch, and he, he then went back, and I made a statement in the con- context of our conversation to my mom and my dad at the age of six, where when my dad left, my mom just turned to me and said, Ben, have you ever asked Jesus Christ into your heart? And I was six years old, and maybe I had, maybe I hadn't. All I know is, I, I don't know, Mom. I don't know if my mom remembers this, and I said, I, I, I don't know. So would you like to do that? And I said, yes, I would love to do that. And I remember at the age of six, grabbing onto my mom's hand and repenting from all the cars I've stolen. At the age of six, I I really didn't have a whole lot to repent of. Are you with me? It's not like I had to, you know, apologize, excuse me, ask God for forgiveness for all the women I slept with, all the cars I stole, all the, you know, I'm six, okay? But I remember at that moment inviting Jesus Christ into my heart. Let me tell you something. What makes your testimony powerful is not what you came from. It's what he did. (laughs) Because the same Jesus that saved you out of some of that stuff is the same Jesus that kept me from some of that stuff. And because I asked Jesus into my heart at the age of six, he kept me from a lot of you. I am a bad person. I'll just confess it to you right now. 
I know what I would be like without Jesus, and it would not be pretty. Okay? But because of Jesus, I got saved from a whole lot of stuff. My wife mentioned it earlier. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross because your life was that bad. He died on the cross because your future is that great. That same Jesus that died for you died for all of those I believe we're going to see come in over the next seven weeks. And we need to share our story. We need to share our testimony because your testimony is powerful because of what Jesus Christ did in your life. Mark chapter 6, what is going on? This is a fantastic story. It's recounted in all the Gospels. Maybe a, maybe a slight difference here and there, but it's recounted in all the Gospels. An amazing story because here now what's taking place is that Jesus now has withdrawn himself. Jesus himself is actually grieving because he found out that John now has been murdered. And so he is actually grieving in his spirit. He's sorrowful because one of his family members has now been executed. And so he wants to draw away. Matter of fact, one of the other gospel accounts says that's specifically why he wants to get away. Because he is sorrowful. He's mourning. He's long, uh, just, just longing to, to see John one more time. And so he, he withdraws himself. But on the other hand, now the disciples, they are coming back from doing great exploits. Here's Jesus, sorrowful. Here's the disciples now. And they're coming in. And they're actually excited about everything that's just taking place. Man, demons are, are scared of us, and man, we're preaching the gospel to these people, and man, all this stuff is happening. But Jesus notices that, man, that's good, but I can tell you're a little bit tired, so why don't you come away with me as well? And so they try to get away to a desolate place, the Bible says. And as they're going, the crowds see them, and now they know the power of Jesus. They might not have experienced it from themselves, but they've seen it now, they've heard about it, and so now they're coming because they don't want Jesus to leave because they need a touch in their life. They draw away to a desolate place, the crowds come. Jesus, in the middle of all that he's going through, in the middle of his stuff, in the middle of his pain, in the middle of, uh, of him mourning the loss of John, he looks out. And he sees that there are a whole lot of people worse off than him. Can I tell you something, church? Sometimes we just need to get our eyes off ourselves and realize there are some people that are worse off than us. Realize that, you know what, even in the middle of my stuff, I have something to offer. In the middle of my pain, I can bring hope to somebody else. In the middle of my turmoil, I can still reach out. I can still grab on to the hand of somebody as they sit there at their ground zero in their rubble. So Jesus begins to minister to them. The disciples are obviously working alongside them. But now the disciples are, are truly beginning to become exhausted. They see the people and how many of them are and realize that they're getting tired. And they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, um, it's time that we, 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 we send them away. Now, I don't know if they were trying to, you know, protect Jesus. I don't know what was going through their mind. But in their minds, they thought the best thing to do for the multitudes was to send them away. And Jesus uses this as a teaching moment. How many of you guys love it when Jesus teaches something, okay? I mean, I even, love, I even love the word, the way it's worded here in Mark chapter 6. Send them away, go into the surrounding countryside and villages, verse 36, and buy them something to eat, verse 37. But, but, but Jesus said, I got a better idea. I know that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Come on. And so he looks at him and says, I I got a better idea. You give them something to eat. And I don't know which one it was, but probably a little bit sarcastic. I would think, like, what do you want us to do? You want us to take what we have? You want us to go buy in a pass? Like, good one. You know, Jesus, the ultimate comedian, right? You know, is that really what you want us to do? And, and Jesus says, no, no. Why don't you go and see what you have? And so they go mug a child like I shared earlier. You know that boy is never mentioned again in the Bible? You ever wonder what happened to him? I mean, come on, right? 
I'm sure the mom was pretty ticked off too. I packed that for my son, you know. They take his lunch and they bring it to Jesus. This is what we found. Uh, now listen, the Bible says there were 5,000 men, okay? Now, I mean, if they were good-looking men, you know there were a lot of ladies there too. Come on, somebody. I mean, there were a lot of people there. And amongst all those people, they found five loaves and two fish. Wow. Some poor people. But one little boy came prepared. Somehow they get his lunch, they bring to Jesus. This is all we could find. Five loaves, two fish. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, that'll be enough. That'll be enough. The story is so powerful because now Jesus, he does a miracle right there. And the miracle just continues on and on. But Jesus, he takes the bread, he breaks the bread, the fish, and, and he gives it back to the disciples. And now the disciples go and they distribute it. Now, in all the accounts, it says this. It says, I want you to tell the people to go sit down. Go sit in the green grass. It's a desolate place. How there was green grass there? I don't know. Okay. But go, go have them sit down in the grass. Go command them to sit down in the grass. All of the gospel accounts say they had them sit down, but only one says this. When they went and distributed it, they gave it to those who were sitting. They gave it to those who were sitting down. It's, it's John's account. John, John was pretty thorough, his accounts. Go give it to those who are sitting down. And this stuck out to me this week because I need to tell you something as your pastor. In the 14 years that I've been doing ministry, there is, only, there is only one difference between the people that receive and the people that don't. It's not the content of my message. It has nothing to do with how funny I am that, that time, and I'm pretty much funny all the time. See, that was funny. You laugh, see? Okay? It has nothing to do with the style I preach. Well, I like it when you teach more. Could you give us more points? And then I, then I start doing pointed preaching, and people are like, hey, what happened? Are we changing? Because you, you've been doing a lot of points. Can you get more to that, that flowy, prophetic style? And then I start going that way, and then now the teaching people come down. Hey, are we going to teach some more? But it has nothing to do with my style and whether I teach or, or whether I just, you know, do what I'm doing right now. Okay? The only difference between those that receive and those that don't receive from the messages and from the vision of the church and from the life of the church, the only thing that separates the people are those that are sitting and those that aren't. The ones that are sitting are the people that say, Pastor, we got your back. Pastor, this is our church. Pastor, we love the vision of the church. Pastor, let's run with it. Pastor, let's reach more people. Pastor, great message that day. Pastor, I love what you said. Pastor, you fed me. Pastor, thank you. How can I serve? How can I get involved? And then there's those other people that challenge everything you say. Now, none of you, of course. Okay, I'm just talking about we're, we're going to see a lot of people coming in. Okay. And, and let, let me just share my heart with you. I have no problem. I am not perfect. Did anybody get shocked right there? I saw somebody in the back go, oh. That's my wife. I'm not perfect. Okay? I've been with her too long to be perfect. So, just kidding. It was a joke. Lighten up, people. You like that one, babe? All right, thanks. Ask my children, I'm not perfect, okay? And I have no problem with somebody, you know, sending me an email or even talking to me. We're out of coffee. Hey, you said this, and what did you mean by that? And I kind of got this out of the mind. But can I just tell you something? I don't know how many, there's, you know, hundred and something people here today. And every single one of you is probably going to get something a little different out of today, okay? I'll just let the Holy Spirit sort it out. But if you have an actual problem with the doctor and you have a question, I have no problem with you coming to me. That's not what I'm saying. But there are people that they come and they're not, they're not with the vision of the church. 
And I just want to say this. If you've been coming long enough to say, I don't, really, I don't really like the vision of the church. I mean this with all my heart. God bless you. Go find another church. Okay? Because I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to find a place where you can sit down. Because if you don't sit down, you ain't going to be a part of the blessing. If you don't sit down, you're not going to experience the miracle. Are you with me today? If you don't find a place that you can sit and say, this is my church. If you don't feel comfortable bringing people to your church, my God, go find a church you do feel comfortable bringing people to. I mean that with all my heart. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean here. I just know this, that I don't want you to miss out on the miracle. I don't want you to miss out on the blessing. And if you can't sit here and find fulfillment here, then I will help you even. I will point you to other great churches. And then you can go and say, I found mine. And then email me and say, Pastor, thank you. I found mine. Okay? We are not people hoarders, okay? You're not going to see me on the show hoarders. You're not going to see them walk in, you know, with you with dust all over you. You know, people piled up like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? you got a problem, you know? It's not going to happen, okay? Do we want more people? Yes. Why do, why do churches want more people? Simply because of this. Because more people equals more impact. More e- impact equals more people. More people equals impact. And we want to reach people for Jesus Christ. And if we have more people that say, man, this is my church, we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. They're, you're not going to enjoy my message every week, okay? That's not true. You'll like my message every week. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> when somebody else comes and preaches, you might not like theirs, but mine you're going to like every week. So. But I'm telling you, it's not about the weekly message. It's about what God is doing in your life. And are you sharing your story? Are you sharing your testimony? Because your testimony, your story is powerful. Amen? Let me just share this with you real quick as we conclude. This is more than just a historical event that took place. This is more than just a great miracle. This actually has meaning for us today as Christ followers. And I could pull so much out of this text, but I just want to hone in on one thing real quickly. And that is this. That Christ used... 12 individuals to distribute the miracle. Hmm. Look at what it says. It says, you go and see what you have. Go and look and see what you have. Go and look and see. Listen to me. Jesus is never going to ask for what you don't have. He's just going to ask you for what you do have. And I'm telling you right now, as Christians, you know what we need to do? We need to stop looking for what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. I heard somebody preach this message one time. Too many people are trying to think outside the box. Thinking outside the box is great. It's good for when you're dreaming and, wow, what if we had this, then we could do that. I mean, think if I had a a Lamborghini with, with urban church painted on it. I don't even know if I'd fit in a Lamborghini, but, you know. I'm mean, we thinking it's great. It's fun dreaming outside the box. But can I tell you something? Jesus Christ, really what he's asking us to do is, what do you have? What's inside your box? What's inside your life? What's inside? Stop thinking about all that and look and see what you do have. Well, well all I have is a broken marriage. Good. Bring it to Jesus. Well, all I have is just like $10. Good. Bring it to Jesus. Well, all I have is this life riddled with, with abuse and hurt and pain. Good. Bring it to Jesus. Because if you bring it to him, he will take it. He will bless it. He will break it. And he'll use it for his kingdom. But we just keep looking outside the box. Man, what if, what if my life was like that? It's not. It's like it is. So bring it to Jesus. But what if? What if I was married to? So you're not. You're married to the person you're married to. Stop. Listen to me. 
For some of you that have struggled in your marriage, you need to stop thinking about what if I could change her. You're never going to change her. If Jesus Christ ain't changed her yet, you ain't going to change her. Ladies, the same goes for you. If only he would. He's not going to take out the trash. Deal with it. Tie up the bag and take it out yourself. It'll save you a lot of heartache. He doesn't love me. He hasn't taken out the trash. That has to do with the message at all, but it was really good. I said, I always, I always counsel uh, couples. I said, is there anything about this person you want to change? Yeah, I really wish. I was like, okay, let me just give you some advice right now. That's never going to change. Can you see yourself married to this person if they don't change? And if they answer yes, then get married. If they say no, I'm like, don't marry them because they ain't going to change. They ain't going to change. We need to stop looking outside the heart. We need to look and see what we have. That's all Jesus asked us to do. Go and see what you have. What do you have today? Listen to me. Your story is powerful. Your testimony is amazing. Jesus Christ wants to use you. He wants you. Well, I don't know if I'm ready yet. You're ready. Well, no, I think I just, I just need to sit for another 10 years. and then No. No, you're ready now. He wants you to look and see what you have now and bring it to him and say, okay, here's what I found. That might take a lot of searching, but you have something. You have something. And there is a city that needs what you have. There is a community that needs your story. There is a community that needs your testimony. There is a community that needs your dream. There is a community that needs your gifting. There is a community that needs your talent. All you have to do is, is bring it to him and he'll do the rest. He uses 12 individuals. Now think about this. There's 12 distinctly different individuals. 12 of them. I mean, you read through the Bible and you see that these 12 guys, they were different. Different backgrounds. Different skin colors. Different ways of doing things. But they were distributing the same miracle. Now, it might have looked different because we're so diverse, but yet, but yet there's unity in what we're doing. So it might, it might be a little bit different the way it's presented. I mean, I'm sure some of them took the fish and the bread and they were wrapping up sushi rolls. Come on, somebody. Oh, I know what I'm going to do with mine. And it was like the first ever, like, like Iron Chef right there. <laughs> you with me? One of them was making sushi rolls over here. One of them was making like a, like a fish fillet from McDonald's over here, you know. And they were slapping it together like, ah. Oh. And they walked. You see it, right? Okay. And they took their sushi rolls and their fish fillet sandwiches. And they distributed to the people. Took it to the people. Took it to the people. Now, I, I don't know what it was like at that moment. And I try to put myself, when I read the Bible, I try to put myself in that setting. It's really a great way to study the Bible. What, what, what was happening? I mean, that's a lot of people. And we just got five loaves and two fish. My response would have been what theirs was. Do you want us to go and buy something? No, you give them something to eat. I'm out, <laughs> you know. They go, I'm just thinking, man. Okay, Jesus, here it is. I don't know what their courage was like at that moment. 
But I believe this. I, I was, when I took my daughters to see Lion King, if you haven't gone to see it, it's really not worth the 14 bucks in 3D. Let me save you the money, okay? Wait till it comes back out on DVD or if you can find the VHS, it's the same thing. Just put it on VHS on the big screen, all right? <laughs> and then tie the 14 bucks so we can get a chair. Praise Jesus. I'm not joking. That wasn't a joke. I was actually being serious about that one. I had fun with my daughters. It was, it was $54 well spent. 75 with the popcorn and the drink, but I have to fast the rest of the month just to make up for it, but I'll be all right, okay? <laughs> Someone can dig me out to lunch today. That'd be great. And I, I saw this preview for this. I don't remember what the movie was called, but there was a statement that said this in, in the preview. It said, if you can just get 20 seconds of courage, something amazing will happen. And that, that, that statement has just stuck with me. And I think about the disciples and the, just that little bit of courage they had just for that moment. Here it is. And I don't know if they saw it continue to multiply because they were, they were, they were distributed. But every time they came back, there was still more. And there was still more. And there was still more. Giving it to those who were, were sitting. And about 5,000 men, it said, were fed that day. Why? Because 12 people said, here's what I have. Here's what I could bring to you, Jesus. This is it. What are you going to do? Think about it. What if the hundred and plus of us sitting in this room right now would just say, you know what? Jesus, here's what I have. Here's what I can bring to you today. It's not a whole lot. Matter of fact, it's, it's really broken and it's kind of it's ugly and it's not really the way I want it to look, but it's what I have. Think if we could bring that to him and trust him. And allow him then to take it and to begin to do a miracle with it. Think about the lives that could be changed. And 12 people fed 5,000. What could 100 of us do? What could 150 of us do? People are waiting for your testimony. People are waiting for your story. People are waiting for you to just step out and muster up 20 seconds of courage and say, Hi, my name's Sarah. And you share your testimony. Lives are fed. People are touched. Your story is important. This church needs your story. This church needs your gift. This church needs your talent. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus, he didn't have to use them. He chose to use them. I mean, come on, this is, this is like, like, like God incarnate on the earth. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, all he did is say something, and there it was. Guys, don't worry, I got this one covered. Mickey D's! What's Mickey D's? You'll find out in the future. I should have went with Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah. He could have just spoke a word and boom! see, Jesus is choosing to use people so that it comes across in its own, own unique, diverse way. Your story is important. He doesn't need you, but he's choosing to use you today. He's saying, hey, you've got a great testimony. You've got one. You've got a great story. Man, if you would just step out and you would share it, man, miracles would begin to happen in the city of San Diego. If you believe that, say Amen. Come on, God is getting ready to do something in this church, and this church needs your story. This church needs you. I, I need you as a pastor. If I could just talk to you for one minute, I just wanted to share out of my heart today. If I could just say this, I need you. 
As the pastor of Urban Church, I need you. Each and every one of you. If you believe that God directs your steps, then he directed you here today. Maybe it's your first time. I don't know what your story is, but I'm telling you right now, your story is valuable and it's needed here today. Some of you have been coming for weeks and maybe I still don't know your story, but let me tell you something. Your testimony will overcome. Your testimony will reach through the rubble in somebody's life and grab onto their hand and begin to give them hope. Our church, over the next seven weeks, and I need you to pray with me because we didn't spend the amount of money we spent on marketing. We we were not doing the ads and all the campaigns. We're not going out today just to hope. And just, oh, I just hope somebody, no, 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 no. We're going to believe together. Yes, we'll hope. Yes, we'll have, we'll do all the, but listen to me. I need you to invite people. I need you to pray for people. And I need you to share your story. I need you to share your testimony. Now, here's the coolest part about the whole story to me. And we'll conclude with this. This is the, I keep throwing the worship team off. As I say, in finishing. Coolest part about the whole story to me is this, is they, they step out. They muster up enough courage you know, the, you, know, you, know what the, you know what the word of the Lord was to the children of Israel when they're about ready to cross over the Jordan, which represents a point of transition? Our church is in transition. The Jordan in the, in the Bible always represents a point of change or a point of transition. And right before they're ready to step over, he said, hey, I want you to be, be strong and of good courage. And then he says it again, I want you to be strong and I want you to be very courageous. And I'm telling you, church, if you can just muster up enough courage, something amazing is going to happen. If you can just muster up enough courage to invite your friend, invite your unsaved loved one, invite your unsaved neighbor, your coworker, you should muster up enough courage. I'm telling you, something amazing is going to happen. If you muster up enough courage to share your testimony and share the love of God with them, I'm telling you, something amazing will happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Here's the coolest part of the whole story. Everybody was filled. Everybody, that's what the Bible says, was satisfied. They were filled. They were satisfied. And then it says this, in 12 baskets full were taken up. 12. How many of them were doing it? 12. How many baskets were taken up? 12. What is God saying to us today? You can never outgive the giver. If you would just share your story, God would fill you back up. Listen to my blues on my heart. If you do not jump on board and sit down and get involved, you will not be a part of the blessing. I believe that by my heart. These 12 stepped out. Because the 12 stepped out, there were 12 baskets. I can just imagine that Jesus was like, hey, here you go. Hey, here's yours. Hey, here's yours. And that doesn't happen every week, by the way. The rock and roll happened out there. In case you're wondering, like, oh, does that happen every weekend? No, just, just special weekends like today. 12 baskets. Listen to me. If you'd be willing to bring your story, if, if, you'd, if you'd be willing to link your story with the story of Urban Church, Something amazing is going to happen. Lives are going to be changed. This place will be filled. The two services will be filled. We'll get our own building. Come on, the sky's the limit. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I thank you for the stories that are sitting here today. Lord, I thank you for, for, for the young person's story that's sitting in a chair. Lord, I thank you for the young married couple that's here, and their story is so pow- powerful and so relevant. Lord, I thank you for the church planners that are sitting here today that their story is still unfolding, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for the businessman, the businesswoman that's sitting here today. And Lord, their story is profound. Their story has impact. Lord, I thank you for the one that's sitting here today and their story has not yet been rewritten by the blood of Jesus. But yet today it will be. God, I thank you, God, that each and every person, unique, diverse, but yet profound when we come together as the body of Christ. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's somebody here today, I feel the Holy Spirit just tell me, there's somebody here today that, that you're hearing the content of the message, but you're missing it. You hear the content of the message and you're saying, well, you don't mean me because you don't know what I've done. You, you don't mean me because you don't know. Matter of fact, there's somebody sitting here today and no one knows what you've done. No one knows what you've been through. You, 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 you're just too scared to share it because of shame and guilt. The Holy Spirit wants you to know something today. If you just release it to Him, He will take it. He will bless it. He will break it. He will give it back to you. And you'll have a story to share for the rest of your life. My God. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's somebody sitting here today and your life's been riddled with pain and hurt. But today I want to be that hand that reaches through the rubble of your life and grabs on and says, I ain't leaving you until Christ gets you. Some of you here today, and maybe you can, you can, you, you, your life represents that ground zero and there's so much turmoil. And you've been fighting for every last breath. Jesus is here to meet with you today. Your story's needed. Your testimony's needed. Great growth's coming to this church. Get ready. Get here early. Get your padded chair. They'll be all up front. But I'm telling you, it won't be that long we open up those blue walls and we set more chairs up back there because of your story, because of your testimony, because of the grace of God that's on your life. Yeah.